Welcome to Scale and Bail with John Woolley and Ben Zawalski, presented to you by Innovate. This weekly podcast is designed for those of you that are looking for ways to be more efficient and effective in the gym without feeling like you have to max out every workout. We'll be covering topics relative to all aspects of fitness, and we'd love to spend time with you here each and every week, so get subscribed on all your favorite podcast apps and YouTube. Now on to the show. Ben Zawalski, we're back. Back in business. What's going on, man? I am currently prepping to go live in the woods for at least a week and a half. Oh, that's right. You've, you've been spending all the money on gear that's not CrossFit. How could you? How could you cheat on us with some other sport? Because I'm doing the ultimate fitness <laughs> test. That is, man. I... I um. I don't hunt anymore, but I used to quite a bit. I grew up in the South, right? And uh, we're probably going to have some anti-hunters listening to this, like raising hell. But you got to keep in mind, this was like the 70s and early 80s. And I was like, how old was I? Eight years old. My dad bought me my first gun, you know, and a little, this little 410 shotgun. We'd go rabbit hunting. My dad raises these beagles. He still raises them. And we go rabbit hunting. And that evolved to deer hunting. And then as I got older... Uh, and was out of my own. I decided I wanted to hunt some more. So I went and got all the gear and started going with this buddy of mine. And I was at the time I was, you know, this would have been a decade ago. I just started doing CrossFit and started getting in shape. And you quickly find out you're not in as good a shape as you think you are when you strap a big pack on your back and you got boots yep. and a jacket and a gun and, you know, you're carrying 50 to 100 pounds worth of gear a mile into the woods and you're huffing and puffing like you've never worked out in your life. Yep. That's what I mean, we, this past weekend we scouted and it was probably a 50 to 60 pound pack and it was four miles of straight up the mountain, uh, literally the mountain. Um, and yeah, I mean, for all the anti hunters, you know, the whole, my whole argument is, uh, if you are going to eat meat, which I do, I am an omnivore. Um, I would much rather know exactly where that animal lived and came from and, and be res- and like have the burden of responsibility for you know quote unquote deciding to take its life. That's different than buying you know a hamburger from McDonald's uh, where it's like you don't know how many cows that was and where it came from. And are you so sure anyway, it's a cow? Are you sure? Yeah, <laughs> or horse? Who knows? Yeah, who knows? But if you're if you're vegetarian or vegan, then you know like I'm not here to argue with you. But it, that's my that's my argument for anyone who's who eats meat and also is like, Oh, that's so bad. It's like, I, I don't, you might want to educate a little bit more. Cause I, I was, I was that way. I was like, again, hunting for a very long time. And then I've learned a lot. So the, the sign of a, of a, maybe an, an adaptable mature human being is someone who is willing to have their opinions changed. Well, I don't know about any of that because I'm a podcast. Yeah. Well, (laughs) I'm not mature, so I wouldn't know about any of that, but I do know that walking into the woods with a hundred pounds worth of gear is tough. And this is in, you know, flat cornfields of Ohio. So I can't can't even imagine what you're going to be doing up in the mountains. And, you know, the, the deer here get pretty big. Um, and I've harvested a couple, but they're not like elk or, you know, boost, oh yeah, where you're pulling seven hundred pounds or something. Yeah. Hopefully, uh, apparently Froning's going to be out there. Matt Chan's going to be out there. Matt Hewitt, 
who's Froning's old teammate, he'll be out there. So it's just a, this is what all the washed up CrossFitters do these days. There you go. Did you get your Innovate boots? I did not yet, and I'm I'm actually kind of butt hurt about it because Are I you? really really was excited to try out their uh they have the rock light pro 400 apparently they're just outstanding hiking boots and i went out i bought some other boots last week for this trip and they were like i'm taking it back after literally after we're done this podcast i'm taking it back to the store because my feet were destroyed so look don't you shouldn't be butthurt at innovate you should be butthurt at you and me because we didn't get them on the phone quick enough that's really the, the only issue with them i can i can't be butthurt no. at you i'm not going to take any of that blame i'm just gonna i'm just gonna blame you that's fine that's for fine. all my blisters well how are you feeding the 300s because mine in the new 300s is pretty sweet it's like a it's like a cushion and it's so lovely. I was actually I did a running workout the other day with my 300s. I have the two pairs. I have my black gum and then the white gum, I believe is what it's called. Um I actually have them in the box still behind me cuz they're so fresh. I just can't I can't stand and take them out of the box. It's like my old Jordans. <laughs> um they are so freaking comfortable. And actually what's really cool is last week uh one of my good buddies Jake and I he was a, a um, shoe reviewer expert for Barbend for a long time, and now he's branched out on his own. And uh, we did a video that's coming out on my YouTube channel probably in the next couple weeks. I'd say at least under a month. Um, and it's about choosing the perfect shoe for CrossFit. And we go over everything. We talk about the toe box. We talk about the heel drop. We talk about what kind of upper it needs. Like we talk about all the intricacies that anyone would ever even begin to care about. Um, and obviously I shared my love for the innovates on there. Well, since we're talking about scaling workouts and masters, I wore a pair of innovates in a scaled workout on Saturday with a bunch of 20 somethings. And uh, it was uh, four rounds. So you get three, four, four, three minute rounds. So you get three minutes of rest in between rounds. And it was a 200 meter run and uh 10 squat cleans there the rx was 115 pounds so i scaled it to 95 and then max rep burpees over the bar for the remainder of the three minutes right and so i wore uh the innovate 245s because they're really light flexible good for running what i got on my feet right now there you go you know the 300s are fine but i know if i'm doing that much running I had to, my debate was they're squat cleans but they're not heavy and it's you know the very nice and the uh the 245s are stable, very stable. And at that weight, I wasn't super worried, right? So anyway, I'm with all these 20-year-olds. I felt great through two and a half rounds. And then the wheels fell off hard. Now, I, I maintained my reps for whatever that's worth, but I paid for it the rest of the day, all day long. Like literally, I just went home and was just useless. Just sat on the couch, watched TV, just drank water, felt dehydrated all day. It didn't matter what I drank. I just, I couldn't get rehydrated. It was yeah. miserable. Yeah. I have a story actually today. Uh, I haven't even mentioned this to you yet. Today, for probably one of the first times in a really long time, I had a workout that just put me in the dirt. And I was actually worried for a little bit, and I'll get to the reason why here in a second. It's a specific substance, um, it's, and I think it's illegal. Um, so <laughs> the, wor tested. the workout was four rounds. Uh, was, this was a Vantage CrossFit or Vantage Movement. The workout was four rounds of 100-meter all-out sprint, 15 double dumbbell front squats. You kind of just put them on your shoulder, just squats. 
I had 70 pounds on each, so 140 pounds. Um, and then eight muscle ups. And they had a they had a couple scaled versions, the scaled version or the active version. So the RX version that, that the one I did was competitive. Active is what they call it. They don't do RX and scaled. The active was um, I think it was 20 pull-ups and a, a lighter dumbbell. And you kind of got to choose your weight in the dumbbell. There wasn't an assigned weight, which I love. I just challenged myself. I wasn't there to compete with anyone else. Um, and then anyway, there the scaled version was uh the, my favorite kind of banded pull-ups, which are bands or pull-ups where you take the band and rather than attach it from the bar, you actually attach it across a J hook. And I just feel like it keeps you in a lot better position for strict banded pull-ups. Anyway, three minute rest in between rounds, do the first round minute and 20 something seconds. And I was hot. I was like, Holy crap. Why is my heart rate so high? Normally if I, Sprint for a minute and have a three-minute rest. I'm going to recover pretty well. It, I could not catch up. So first round was 133. Second round was 152. Third round was uh, 157 or something like that. Or no, the, whatever. I had 120, 130, 150, and then 212. I remember the last round. And the last round, I literally laid on the floor for five minutes. On my back, flat, five minutes, and could not catch my breath. Kept looking at my Garmin watch and my, in my, I was like 150 heart rate with like five minutes of just laying on the ground. And I'm like, guys, something's wrong. Any guesses as to what it was? Uh, because of the substance you took or why you couldn't get your breath? Uh, either a couple factors, but well, if, look, the factor I would say just from listening to you, assuming those are ring muscle ups, which I'm guessing they were, they were when you. Uh, the ball, you know, you got, you start with an all out sprint as a short sprint, so you can go hard. And then the next two movements you're tucked So you're doing front squats and muscle ups. And so you got to breathe on those muscle, muscle ups when you're at full extension. And that's darn hard to do. And particularly if there's only eight and you're moving that quick, so you're tucked the whole time. So you're not breathing. Like that there's some my, logic there. I can, I can appreciate that. I can appreciate that. Well, there, that might be some of it, but normally this workout would be like in my wheelhouse. I'd be fine. I'd be walking right. around high-fiving people 10 seconds after the workout. Well, turns out I've had some allergies here in Colorado pretty bad. Right. Uh, and there's also some wildfires in California. Come on, California. Get your act together. Yeah, Sorry no for everyone affected. It's very serious and very sad. But come on, get your act together. Stop sending smoke my way. It's killing me. Um, so there's smoke in the air for the run. And... I had taken multiple days worth of Sudafed leading up to today. And then I also had Flonase this morning. Turns out that that's how you make meth is Sudafed. <laughs> so I, because of Sudafed, my heart rate exploded and I could not get it back down. And sure enough, I started doing some research after no joke, lying on the couch at the gym for 20 minutes just trying to like regain consciousness. Um, and turns out that is a very common side effect of, of Sudafed where it's like avoid strenuous activity, <laughs> you know, like where else your heart rate might go through the roof. It's good. It was just like one of those things where I'm just like, Oh my gosh, I thought I was in shape. What's going on. So moral of the story for everyone listening. Don't be, do math. Don't do math. Uh, <laughs> be very cognizant of the substances that you put in your body. I, you know, I've taken allergy medication several times in the past, you know, Hit, hit or miss, depending on, on how I'm feeling. 
Um, and for whatever reason, the stars align for this one and that one-two punch of Flonase and Sudafed. I mean, I'm I'm still probably yeah, like my heart rate's 80 right now, just like just thinking about it. <laughs> it's it's bad. So be careful, everybody. Just just think though how light you would feel on those muscle ups if you were doing meth and you had all that pesky tooth weight gone. You know? <laughs> great. Hey, I did it on I did the whole thing unbroken, so that was nice, but uh yeah, yeah, Oof. yeah. Keep bragging. I'd, I'd still be on round one. Well, if you if you had taken UCAN, you wouldn't be in this problem. Um, well, I, I had to resort to meth instead of UCAN. There so. you go. Well, uh, we, let's give a shout out to our sponsor, UCAN. So they're sponsoring us for the entire quarter. Um, I didn't take it, but for the record, I did not take UCAN as I normally do before my workout on Saturday, and I regretted it. And it, you know, it's granted. When you do the math, you're like, all right, this is a 12-minute workout, but it's really a 24-minute workout with breaks, right? And you get that first round. Somebody made fun of me because I posted my uh, my my whoop results. It has your heart rate in there. And they've, they've seen the big spikes. And you can see the, like, gradual climb uphill. And it's that top of the hill where your heart's, like, really starting to race toward the end and you're not recovering as quick. And you know, while you can for me, isn't like a recovery tool. It does give me that long sustained energy, you know, that slow burning like carbs. I don't feel like I'm hitting the wall. And man, I felt like I was hitting the wall at the end of that thing, like big time. And, uh, so that's my big shout out for you can, I would, uh, really suggest anybody that wants to try it. I use the bars personally. Um, they just help me get through, but the, uh, the little gels are pretty good too, uh, particularly prior to a long workout. And they're sending me some of the protein. So I'm pretty excited about that. Carbohydrates are very important, especially before longer duration things. There's something to be said for timing carbohydrates properly before a really high intense workout. So, yeah, I don't even really have to time these that much. I mean, it's like 20 minutes before the workout, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Particularly if it's the gel. And then, that's about the right timing. So you, yeah. you actually are nailing it. <laughs> You know, I take it about 20 minutes. I take it on my way to the gym. It gives me about 20 minutes. And then, you know, we do a good 15 to 20 minute warm up. you know. And so by then it's fully in and I'm, I'm good to go. But I, yeah. you know, I do routinely take it prior to my long bike rides or like when mm -hmm. I'm doing stuff around the house, you know, kind of my garage gym stuff, it's all of that stuff's an hour. And I, I take it for that all the time. So go to you can, you can dot co, not dot com dot co. And scale is our code, 20% off, which is a good deal. Really good deal, actually. That is a good deal. They just signed all the pan checks, every one of them. All, grandmom? Apparently. I don't know. All, all three of the competitive pan checks. I, get the, I guess they'll get all the kids. What next. about his baby? Yeah. I, you know, I almost sent him a message and asked if they were going to get the new twins next. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All the pan checks are on it. So it's good stuff. All right. Well, let's get into the, the topics for tonight um, oh, we're not going to talk about hunting ethics the rest of the night no we could just I really mean, grind everyone's gears <laughs> we absolutely could let's um we kind of started with gear let's start with gear i want to talk about gear. gear so i love it uh i've been getting a lot of messages and for you guys listening i love the messages but some of y'all need to google uh but the rest of you it's fine I, people are asking questions the last time we talked about jump ropes and people have been asking me questions about that and uh Crossrope.com slash wad prep. <laughs> that wasn't the one that I suggested. Um, but here's what I want to talk about. Gear you shouldn't buy. 
So I, I don't know about you, but I see people rolling into the gym with these bags full of belts and wrist straps. And like, I was cleaning out drawers here the other day and was finding stuff. I'm like, why did I buy this? Oh yeah. I got a stack of gear like that. All right. So let's, let's just go through the gear that you don't need. in we'll say the first two years. Okay. First year for, let's be fair. First 12 months. What do you not need that people go buy? So First, as a refresher, remember, was it podcast one that we talked about it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. As a refresher, John and I both, without even mentioning it before, said that the only two things you need are a good pair of shoes. John said like seven or something like that. I said one. Uh, And then a jump rope. Okay. So just to be clear, those are the two things we're like, those are the, the essentials. That's what you need. What do you not need your first you said a year, a couple years CrossFit? Let's say first year, because I think All that's right. where people make the mistakes. Like when something's new, you go out and buy everything. You, you do know, not like need a belt. Thank you. That was top of my list. Look at us. But why don't twins. you need a belt? Because a belt, while effective, there is zero evidence to suggest that a belt prevents injuries. And all a belt is doing in theory is, is adding a, a crutch or a, basically it's doing what your core should be doing already. So if you can't brace properly in your back and your core for a back squat or a front squat or a deadlift, that's heavy. And you're like, Oh, I need a belt to fix this. Then you should probably go back to the drawing board. Uh, and it's, it's been a very long time since I felt like I've needed to belt up the only times that I will do it is in competition or let's say the open, which is competition. If I'm going for like a one rep max attempt or like in the quarterfinals or what was it? Semifinals court? I don't know. Whatever the next level thing was where we had a three rep max front squat. I used a belt for that. One of the first times I put on knee sleeves, only shoes and a belt in okay. like, I mean, I was like, oh my God, I still got these things. Cool. Um, so anyway, I'd say a belt is probably near the top of my list. And it was, unfortunately, I think one of the first things I bought. When I, I think it's the first thing everybody buys counter argument or just question, I guess. What yeah. if you're using it to teach someone what that bracing feels like? Cause I like, I like a good belt. Like I have a belt and sure. I, I can absolutely like, there are times when I'm training alone where I'm struggling, even after a decade of this, of like remembering what that bracing feels like. And so I'll get mm. my belt. And put it, and then it's like, all right, I, I remember now. <laughs> I get it. I would use it to I'm teach just, someone. Yeah. So I, I know this is going to sound so silly. Um, if if you have one of your friends come and punch you in the stomach, that's what bracing feels like. Because you know what you're going to do as soon as as soon as you know someone's about to punch you in the stomach, you brace. You 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 tighten your you tighten your chest, you tighten your core, you tighten your back because you want to brace for that impact. That's one way to do it. And that's something I actually used to do. Um, and I know it's just like terrible, but if I, if I like, if I knew the person I was teaching foundations to, um, I would come up to him and be like, all right, I'm going to punch you in the stomach. You ready for it? And they're like, what? And I would just like wind up, like cock back and just like act like I was going to punch him. And some of them would just go like this. And then other people would be like, they'd flex immediately. And then that was my bracing lesson. I was like, do you see how you, you flex your core? Like, that's what I want you to do when you go to pick up this barbell or when you are about to squat. I'm never lifting with you. Ever. <laughs> oh, I have all kinds of very, tra- wait till I, wait, one day we'll have to talk about the bar path of the snatch okay. and how, how I put my life in danger. <laughs> well, 
I see everyone with the belt. The, and I think it was probably the first thing I bought. The second thing I bought were lifters mm-hmm. as a, as a new crossfitter, I had to go out and get a pair. And mostly because my ankle mobility sucks. Sure. And Still I would sucks. say again, probably a crutch. Do I have them? Yes. Do I use them sometimes? But realistically speaking for a lot of new CrossFitters, and I remember guys, like I still remember these days when it was, I could not hold a squat at all. I couldn't get below parallel without rising into my toes, right? So one thing you can do to immediately fix it is to buy a crutch or uh, basically a pair of shoes that has a really high heel to give your body less you know, basically you have less ankle mobility demands now. And it's like, oh, wow, I'm really good at squatting for the ladies out there. And hey, maybe some of the men, that's fine too. Whatever floats your boat. You may have noticed this if you've ever tried to squat in high heels. You're like, wow, this is really easy to squat and keep my torso vertical. It's just not quite as extreme when you're wearing weightlifting shoes. But that being said, you are simply just kind of adding a band-aid to the solution when really if you want to get better squat mobility, ankle mobility, knees, hips, things like that, do a dead bottom squat hold for a really long time. I remember one of the things that really helped my squat was just sitting at the bottom of a squat and watching TV. And I built up to where I could, I could hold for like 15 minutes at a time. And then, you know, your legs go numb eventually. Um, but I could hold it for a really long time. And I used to only be able to hold it for like 10 seconds before it was just like the front of my uh, shins were just burning and like everything was burning because I just couldn't, I had to like use so many muscles to tense in that position. And now I can just sit and relax in that squat. And that obviously carries over to when you have a bar on your back. So um, I would say rather than the Olympic weightlifting shoes, be a little bit more diligent, have your, have your training shoes that don't have a crazy high heel and have all the things we talked about in the first episode. Uh, and then make sure that you spend some time devoting to like active range of motion. And, and one of the most important ones is that squat position. Just hold the squat, whatever squat feels comfortable for you, hold the bottom of it. All right. First of all, I have daughters and I can tell you distinctly that women wear heels because it makes their butt look good. So I guess the question is, do my lifters make my butt look good? Um, what's the trade-off sure. though? Like for, for a new, a new CrossFitter, like when, when should they decide to go get lifters? Like I like when I, the only time now I wear lifters is when I'm going really heavy for me. Sure. Like, and, and that's all relative. I get it. But like, what's, where do you think the, the trade-off is or where's the point that you should go? All right, now I'm ready for lifters. I would say, can you hit full range of motion without them? That's a good sign that they're no longer as much of a crush as they were before. Like if you can't get full depth, unless you're wearing your lifters, then I would say, all right, you, I would train for full depth instead of training with lifters. Um, but let's say you're looking for a good reason to buy one competition is, is, is obviously like when it, when it moves from, becoming a hobby that you're doing for longevity and switches over to now I compare or now I care about my performance. That's when, okay, weightlifting shoes because of how solid the heel is because of how stable it feels. And because it makes squatting easier than squatting movements and uh, one rep max snatch, one rep max clean, all of these things get a little bit more easy. 
Um, all that being said, let's go back to one of the um, original goats. Um, I wouldn't say he's the goat anymore, but OG, Rich Froning, love you, buddy. He still competed at the highest level and won exclusively wearing shoes. He wasn't wearing lifters, even for the Wonder Max Clean and Snatch events. No lifters, just normal old, old training shoes. That's it. We're not going to debate your horrible comment that he's no longer the goat. However, uh, we'll talk about Rich because I have a good. Frazier owns it, bro. Yeah, uh, we'll argue offline. Uh, agree, <laughs> agree to disagree. I know I love Frazier too. They're all great. Yeah, Rich yeah. Raps. How do you feel about Rich Raps? Also, not needed. Uh, great. I would have even forgot about that because that one's so far long gone. If you're experiencing wrist pain for, I've seen it when people are practicing their front rack position. Uh, when they're uh, doing overhead squats, your wrist is going into positions that it, it hasn't been exposed to probably in a really long time. Handstand pushups. I mean, things like that. Like your, your, your wrist being that extended and flexed is, is rare. And I remember asking a coach, like, what should I do? And uh, back then it's like, oh, get wrist wraps. And what happened is that pain never went away. It was just kind of like a bandaid where the wrist wraps would kind of just prevent me from getting into the right positions. And then I would have all this pressure on my wrist and I would still kind of deal with these nagging tweaks and injuries. And then I had a weightlifter, like an actual Olympic weightlifter, just be like, don't use wrist wraps. Like only if I'm going for like one rep max attempts or something like that, maybe I'll wear them, but I don't ever wear them. And if you watch the Olympics, most people don't wear them. Um, and he's like, don't use wrist wraps because what's going to happen is your body's going to get used to it and the pain will go away. Just like a lot of things, your body gets used to it and the pain goes away um, when you're exposing yourself to new movements and it worked. I never have wrist pain anymore, ever, as soon as I got rid of those wrist wraps. You know who taught me how to wrist wraps? Who? The goat, Rich Froney. Oh. So, and here's how. He doesn't even know he did it. So I did this uh, when the page was brand new, brand new. And I did this uh, meme, the Rich Froning starter pack. I've told the story. I told it to him once. He remembered it too. I couldn't believe it. Rich Froning starter pack. It was uh, a pair of Nike lifters or a pair of Nike nanos, not Nike, Reebok nanos, sorry. And uh, it was Nair and self-tanning cream. (laughs) I thought both of those, I thought both of those were really funny. Uh, some Rogaine. And a pair of wrist wraps. That was the rich froning starter pack. And he just and said, he, I don't want I, get rid of the wrist wraps. Yeah. He commented and said, I don't wear wrist wraps. <laughs> and I thought, first of all, I thought, Perfect all right, incredibly classy. I just called the guy bald and, you know, self tan and fake tan and fake tan. And he comes in and points out he doesn't wear wrist wraps. And I, you know, I thought, all right, it's classy. It's funny. And then I start thinking about it. I'm like, the goat doesn't wear wrist wraps. So I start going through photos, like trying to prove him wrong, yep. you know, and can't, you know, none, like you can find the, you know, wrist bands, but no real yeah, wrist wraps. And so then yeah. I started doing research on it. I'm like, well, why am I wearing these things? Like if Rich doesn't need them, you know, I'm as good as Rich. So why would <laughs> I need them? And to your point, I started like doing the research and realizing like, Hey, maybe I should just work on my wrist mobility. And yeah. I got rid of them. And you know what? I've never missed them. Not, no, again, not it's little. literally your wrist when you similar to your core for, let's say you always belt up for deadlifts and squats, no, kind of like anytime it gets even remotely heavy. Well, guess what? When you remove that belt, 
and you have to go even remotely heavy, you're going to feel like a, a lump of potatoes a lot of times. Um, and then same thing or mashed potatoes is what I was going for. <laughs> um, a lump of potatoes. I don't know what that is, but same thing goes for the wrist. If you are only strapping up your wrists every time you put a barbell overhead or every time you clean, then when you remove them, you're, you're, you haven't allowed your wrist to develop any sort of strength or to, to develop uh, exposure to that, that position. And then sure enough, it eventually goes away. I remember having bad wrist pain for the beginning for a little while. Um, and then I just stopped using straps and eventually that pain went away. And like I said, never came back. Any other gear that you think people could do without? Those are the, those are the big three for me. I, I honestly sure. can't even think of any. Oh, um, oh, what are the calf sleeves? Oh yeah. I hate those things now. I, and socks, I like dude. full disclosure. Those are weird. You just look weird wearing those. Well, look, I came up in the era of CrossFit when we were all wearing knee socks and, uh, and then we bacon on them. Yes. <laughs> and Ninja. Same. And, <laughs> and, uh, then we went from, and we thought we needed them for deadlifts. And then we switched from yeah. those. Then we realized to the you're not sleeves. supposed to bleed. Yeah. We switched from those to the calf sleeves and for the same yep. thing, you start thinking, well, my calves hurt when I run. So it must be because they're not compressed enough when the reality is they just don't run enough. Like that's the right. real problem. I'm not running. You run once a year. Yeah. You know, and so you're doing double unders and running. You're like, I can't believe my calves hurt. I need calf sleeves. No, you need to do more double unders and run more often. Like I thought you were talking about them for rope climbs. Oh, we had them for that too. That was the most useless gear possible with the, uh, the, the ones for rope climbs that were like really uh, padded. Oh, so Don, yeah. you just wear knee sleeves for that. How do you feel about knee sleeves? So I was going to mention knee sleeves. That one is one that, again, I rarely use them. However, when I'm feeling, when I'm going especially heavy in competition, I will use them. Or I did use them last week when I had an overhead lunge workout on a really, really hard floor. Right. If you're bashing your knee into the ground repeatedly with heavy weight, um, knee sleeves aren't going to like keep your knee in position. It's just a little extra padding and it feels good. Um, and then I know people who swear by knee sleeves to help get their knees warm because literally the sleeve does make your knees warmer um, and it gives you a little bit of support. But I would caution people to have any piece of gear that they rely on solely like oh nope actually i just remember we have a blog post about this shockingly enough where it's like don't be a gear addict if you if you see squats on the whiteboard and you're like oh man i forgot my sleeves and my belt and my olies um i'm just not going to do this anymore i can't perform it's like no like we're supposed to be prepared for anything you should be able to do it barefoot if if needed um so don't allow yourself to get hooked on any one specific piece of gear i use knee sleeves uh for but now I'm very selective. So, and, you know, keep in mind, you're so only young. rebound knee sleeves. That's what you're saying. Yeah. No, look, first of all, you're a young pup. All right. So I know you don't understand what it's like to have 50 year old knees, but there are times when you got to bust 31 year old knees. You're still 20 years younger than me, buddy. There are times when you need knee sleeves, but I'm really selective with them. And to your point, like I, if they're rope climbs, I bring them because I can roll them down and protect, you know, my legs and rope climbs. If yep. we're doing lunges and I know I'm going to be pounding my knees into the floors, I wear them then. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I usually wear them if the squats are really heavy, the knee sleeves come out. But otherwise these days, like I, I try to be really selective and I don't use them for, you know, 95 pound thrusters and, you know, kind of lighter front squats and a wad, like just doesn't make, I don't want to be reliant on them. So to your point, yeah. like I just, I try to be more selective and, and be, um, more thoughtful maybe of when yeah. I'm using them. Absolutely. Uh, so so think about these people that have all this stuff. So let's, let's think about that same group. First six months, they start CrossFit. What are some reasonable goals you think athletes should be going for? And I, I'll, I'll give you like some context. So like when I started, I had zero base of fitness. So I know there's a big what if here, like people are coming in at different levels of fitness, but yeah, like I didn't have a huge base of fitness. So I started with what, I knew I could do. I was not strong. I had no strength. I knew I'd have to build that up over time. So I think I even mentioned this in the first episode. So I learned double unders. I knew it was something I could do. It was body weight. I knew I could get good at push-ups. So I focused on push-ups, sit-ups, and double unders and let strength come over time. Mm-hmm. Is that what you would recommend for people coming in? Or like, where do you think people, where, where do you recommend people start when they're thinking of goals in the first six months? Yeah. So obviously, you know, I still have to say it, it all depends on where you're starting. Um, Some people are going to pick things up a lot easier than others. If you come from a background that has you really, really strong, then let's say, um, and this is just stereotypical, but like, let's say you're an ex football player that is really, really strong, but maybe has a few extra pounds to lose. Um, one of the first things you need to focus on obviously is dialing in your nutrition because achieving a lean body mass in, in this particular sport, uh, if you're treating it as a sport or if you're trying to live a really long time is very, very important because the, even if we can keep most of that strength and be lean, then all the gymnastics are going to get easier. All the single, you know, all the running, uh, is going to get easier. The box jumps. There's a lot of things that when you're lighter and you can move more swiftly, um, without needing as much power, that's going to be a really good thing. Well, wouldn't um, this nutrition advice apply to most though, Ben? Cause like, I think most people coming in had, you know, at least what I see from masters athletes, they were like high school athletes, but sure. they've been not doing squat for the last decade. And yeah. now they're getting back into fitness. And a lot of them come in thinking, Oh, I was a high school athlete. I can do this. And then they are wrecked after week one. Yes. But I would say, which, which sport did they come from? Right. You know, like the, the, for instance, like, uh, so my second point was for a lot of females, I changed that advice and it's all about strength development. Um, because just traditionally speaking, like there's a lot of guys that come in with some raw strength or, or females, maybe they have an ex, you know, strength background. They come in with a lot of raw strength and they need to they need to lean out and they need to, to work on, on the coordination aspects. Um, and then there's uh, equally as many females that I remember coaching through foundations that they came in and they could like all the mobility stuff that we were doing. They're like, that's easy. And they could do everything and hold a, do a pistol like immediately, but they might not have been able to stand up because they didn't have the strength for it. Um, so I would say, very much depends, but there's generally like three different things that we need to look for. It's, Coordination. Coordination is almost exclude like double unders are almost exclusively coordination. Um, 
kipping skill, like the actual like timing of the kip movement, whether or not you can actually do pull up doesn't matter, but the actual timing of the kip, that's a big coordination thing. Um, and then we also need strength. So some of us are going to come in and uh, it's like a video game. You have, you have like different power-ups. It's like some people are going to come with a 95 out of 100 strength rating, but other people are going to come in with a 20. Uh, those people need to really prioritize the raw strength pieces. So not worry so much about the dynamic kipping movements, but focus more on like, hey, do you have strict pull-ups? Can you can you run 400 meters without um, you know without fatiguing too much for, for these for the bigger, stronger guys? Um, it's it's really like, can you cover your bases in the most scaled aspects of each movement, and then say which movement am I the farthest away from from quote unquote RXing? That's a lot of times like an easy way to say like, oh, I'll start there. So for a lot of people, it's like they have never done a pull up in their entire life, but they're wanting to learn handstand push-ups and, and, and go really, they're just wanting to learn everything. And it's like, man, if you really, really just focus on that, the ability to do one strict pull up and just got freaking strong there, that is going to transfer to so many other movements. And it's just going to make you better performance wise in the gym, but also just a stronger human being. And then that strength is going to carry over into a lot of things. Um, but I'd say the, the biggest missing piece for a lot of people initially when they start is that that strict pull-up strength, um, the overhead pressing strength. And then I agree that double unders are the coordination there for double unders is something that's a an enigma for a lot of people for a really long time. So I would always start chipping away on that. I think we're on the same path. I, if I could do it over. And actually, I guess, I mean, you really could do this at any point, but I'm not going back. Um, so I, someone's starting and I would tell them in the first six months, track everything. Mm -hmm. So like your goal, everyone's goals to be different. So you need to either go buy yourself a little journal or, you know, if you're using SugarWatt or Wattify or one of those, or even, you know, Whoop Band or whatever, like just track as many metrics as you can. So you can see progress over the six months. And I you will, you will yeah. see progress. That's one of the most amazing aspects of CrossFit specifically is it's a measurable improvement of fitness. Yeah, for sure. Um, I would find a nutrition plan that worked for me, but I would, if I were coaching them, I would steer them to probably eat more than they think they should. <laughs> you know, cause I think a lot of people come in, you know, I guess, again, it depends on the person, but I think a lot of people come in and view, especially new ones, you CrossFit as a weight loss method, and you can certainly lose weight doing it, but you have to eat to perform. Like the, the workouts can be exceptionally hard if you're underfueled. So you have to find that balance between, you know, eating enough to perform and not overeating too, because I found early on, I do a heavy lifting session because I had no experience in lifting. I just go home and eat all day, you know, you just <laughs> family. Yeah, there's a, that, I'd say that's another thing that's in. I mean, in our nutrition course, that's the first thing we have people do is, is track their intake. Yep. Just eat normally, but track your intake. And then you might be surprised at how much you are under or overeating. Um, you can't eat like a rabbit. And then you can't, you can't be lean or like, let's say you're already lean or skinny. Um, and then you start CrossFit, like your calorie burning does go up a little bit. So your metabolism, like your your wantingness to eat more food will go up with that. But you have to kind of gauge like if you, if you 
0.015 X your, if you like barely increase by 15% your calorie burn, you don't want to double your calorie intake, right? There's a, there's a very, uh, a very slight increase that needs to occur. So that, that's a tough one, but uh, certainly understanding that, that food is fuel and you can't eat like a rabbit. Uh, I have seen a lot of people come into the gym. I remember coaching foundations where it was like, they're like lightheaded by the end. It's like, Hey, like, have you eaten anything today? I had 11 pieces of lettuce. Right. It's just like, what? Yeah. <laughs> That's going to work. Yeah. People just make those mistakes. And then, you know, and then they, you know, they start getting heavy in the CrossFit and they see Frazier say, oh, Gator, you know, snort Gatorade powder and eat Snickers bars. And then they're going the opposite way, you know? It's right. Just, I eat, I eat peanut butter with jelly mixed in it from the can. I remember him yeah. saying that. And I remember being like, okay, cool. Yeah. It works for you, buddy. Um, and then probably the only other t- two things that I wish I had really tracked and focused on were range of motion. So to your point of like strict pull-ups and that sort of thing, like really focused on instead of going, how heavy is this? You know, really looked at like, what does it look like? (laughs) You know, how does it feel? Like, can I really get these things done? And, um, and then we, you know, we talked about it for recovery, you know, focus on sleep and, you know, stretching and, and God forbid mobility work, you know, <laughs> particularly the sleep. I mean, we talked about that before, but I, you know, I don't think really, I haven't focused on that much in the last decade up until like this, this last year of really viewing sleep as such an important tool. And I wish early on I had said, all right, I, I need to take this more seriously. I think I would have performed. And yeah. And not only does it help with, you know, just the sheer fact that you're recovering, uh, but it's also like, you're mentally more healthy. Your, your longevity increases. Like is it, you know, sports performance goes through the roof when you're sleeping adequately. So yeah, that, that can't be undersaid. And again, like, especially we're focusing on this, this first six months phase, my main, like, I don't necessarily think it's even right for us to like assign a specific movement or a set of movements to learn. I think the main thing is, Enjoy the process, have fun, but try to start catching yourself when you get shiny object syndrome. I mean, I've seen people six months in and they're already like, well, should I go with the Mayhem's programming or should I go with, you know, like Misfits or Comp Train? And it's just like, dude, you do not need to beat yourself into the ground for two and a half hours every day to try to be an elite level competitor yet. You're six months in. So try to be be cautious. Um Try to be cautious tr- um, with shiny object syndrome is what I'm trying to say. Like stick to the process. If you have a good gym, trust their programming, have some fun with it, talk to your coach, um, and then try to at least identify a couple goals. Because what I feel like slows a lot of people down when they come to CrossFit is um, if they don't come up with a few goals, maybe not right away, but at some point in their first couple months, they're going to have a string of really annoying workouts and be like, I'm out F this. Um, but if you, if you approach it as there's a goal built in, you have some sort of destination or some sort of like, I want to become a better athlete every year in the open, or I want to, I want to get my first strict pull-up. That's a good one. Or I want to, I want to be able to pick up my body weight um, or, or deadlift two X my body weight. Like there's a couple things like that. Those as silly and as frivolous as they sound, they really do help you um, chip away at that progress. And when you when you are growing, 
you feel like you're succeeding. So as long as you're you're experiencing that growth and you're feeling that growth and you have a target, that combined with exactly what you said, John, which was tracking, like write down your benchmark for Fran the first time you do it. Write down your benchmark mile the first time you do it. You'll be amazed when you circle back around a couple months down the road and see that improvement. And that that really, when that clicks, you're going to be like, wow, this is this is really working for me. My uh my goal, my the benchmark goal I set for myself for success was 135 pound snatch. Nice. Uh, now keep in mind it was my in my first year. And um the first open I got to, so I got my nickname, by the way. Uh the Which first is? open we got to was a year that they had you did uh 10 snatches at 75, 10 snatches at 135, and then I think it went to 165, then to like Two oh five, yeah, something like that. I know. remember watching Dan Billy and Rich Froning do it. Yeah, and you know, it's a small gym. It's 2012, if I'm remembering right. Um, yeah. And uh, so, you know, I do this 30, you know, however many snatches it was. I think it's 30. Wasn't it? Yep, at 30 yeah, I did 30 at 75. What a terrible workout. <laughs> and I was winded. I was already winded. You know, which at that point you're only three minutes in or whatever. You know, yeah, it's a long time ago. And so I load the bar for 175 and I have this guy coaching me. His, guy, his name was for Joe. 175. No, at 75 was okay. the first 30. And then I loaded you up say to, once. And I was like, hold on here. Yeah, no. And then I loaded up to 135 and Joe's coaching me and I go to make my first lift and uh, it's like nose level. Right. Yeah. And he's, you know, he was a good, good coach. He knows that's high enough as long as you can get under it, you know? And so he's shouting at me, telling me it's high enough and I don't believe him. And I try again, same thing as nose level. And on the third lift, I got it overhead. And I'm nice. one of those moments where I'm locked out and I'm standing up and it's overhead. And I don't drive. I'm just like looking around, hoping someone sees me because I want someone to see me with this weight. And my coach sees me and she was a real peach. Uh, and she just yells across the gym, John effing Wooly. Or she drops the F bomb. <laughs> and from then on out, I was JFW. That was my nickname forever. Love that. it. That's fantastic. That gives me, I still remember that workout, man. That was, uh, cause that was, again, that was very early on. That was, I think my first open, I remember in my garage at my college house that I was living in, I like had just watched Dan Bailey and Rich Froning, you know, I think clear the whole workout, um, got to two ten or two or five and just smoked it. And so I just go into the garage and I'm like, have I ever even snatched one thirty five? I have no idea. So like, like the idiot college kid I was, I just put 135 pounds in the bar and just ripped it off the ground <laughs> and like kind of snatched it. I guess it would count in CrossFit and like put the bar down and drove to the gym and did the workout. <laughs> I was just like, Oh, I got to make sure I can at least do this. All right. I can. Cool. Uh, but man, that, that workout was incredible uh, because it just showed you, it was so humbling to watch people who had been practicing and I've been focusing on the fundamentals for a really long time. And then people like myself who just tried to strength their way through everything and then realized, wow, I do not have what it takes to do this very well and very effectively. And I have a lot of work to do. Um, and yeah, that was all she wrote. Well, that's the power of a CrossFit gym and being in a gym with others is like you can set a goal and you hit the goal and you're really excited about it. But you got others cheering you, like others recognizing that you've achieved something and you know, you get in, like in this case, I got a nickname and that was really cool and fun. But you know, someone sent me a message this week and they wanted us to talk about this. So it's probably a good segue into it. Cause you were in a garage gym and they said to me, how do you keep this same 
kind of CrossFit mentality, you know, excitement in a garage gym. Mm-hmm. And as someone who has a garage gym, that's hard to do. How do you yeah. do it? So a couple things. Number one, get plugged into some form of community. Even if you can't train, well, actually there's two kinds of communities. If you can have friends that'll come train with you and work out. I mean, some of the best sessions I've ever done are in a garage gym with like two or three other dudes and dudettes just throwing down. Um, So that's the first thing is like, if you can find a a crew, then fantastic. But I'm guessing that this, this question comes from a place of I'm alone in a garage gym or it's just, you know, my, my partner and I in a garage gym. If that's the case, then I would say find a community. You might want to find it online. There are a lot of good options. I mean, obviously here at Wad Prep, we have one that a lot of garage gym athletes really like. You got obviously street parking. You have um, a few other communities where it's not about, it's not about trying to compete against other CrossFit gymers going to CrossFit gyms with, you know, big classes and all the fancy equipment. It's like you can find some bare bones programming and just, and get really good workouts done. And then if you have some scores to compare with, or you have a community, even that's just like, Oh man, did everyone, everyone try that today? Like I actually remember back in the day, I did some seal fit stuff when I was living at um, home for the summer. Cause I didn't have a fully equipped garage gym at my parents' house when I was home for the summer. And the closest CrossFit gym was like 50 minutes away, you know, back in the day. Now it's only five minutes away. But so I couldn't do CrossFit. I couldn't drive all the way to Columbia, however far away and, and do it. So I was like, man, what am I going to do? So I started following Seal Fit and it was like, it was always like run five miles, then 700 pull-ups. And it was like, it was insane. And I don't recommend that, but it was nice to have a, a, bare bones workout that didn't have much equipment and a community to go with it. And just reading the comments of people who were deployed doing this and people who were actual Navy SEALs doing it and wannabes like myself doing it. It was really cool to, to get plugged into that online community. And, and honestly, if you remember the, I believe the first episode when I talked about my intro to CrossFit, like that, that online community at CrossFit.com was what I originally plugged into. I started seeing other people's scores that were my age. And I was just like, whoa, how are they so good? And it kind of spurred me to want to achieve more. Um, so that's my main thing is find it, find a community uh, and then maybe find programming within a community that facilitates the gear that you have in your garage, which I imagine is probably not fully outfitted. Yeah, I for me, it's two or three things. I agree with the community piece for, for, I've never thought of it in terms of community though. Like I just have a few buddies that, and which I know is community that I just send workouts back and forth with. So they'll send me one and say, Hey, here's what I did. Here was my time. And now I have something I have to go beat. Yeah. Right. So, and so you still get that same kind of level of comp, you know, quote unquote competition that you get across yeah. the gym or comparison, uh, particularly if it's someone that, you know, and that you're comfortable you know, kind of leveling your skills with them. The second thing I think super important, go buy a clock. Like when I put a clock in my gym, it was a game changer. What do you mean? Like, like how much time are you spending in there? Timer, get a timer, like an actual gym timer, hundred bucks. And you set that thing and there's something uh, motivating 
about a countdown timer. I don't know what it is. Like, I can't even explain it other than once it starts, I'm like, all right, well, I hear the three, two, one, I got to go. Like, sure. and maybe it's just because I've trained CrossFit so long. It's just drilled in my mind. But now I, I know, all right, I'm on the clock. I have to work. Now that doesn't mean I'm working at maximum capacity, but it keeps me from quitting. Totally. Me and personally. on like on that, you just actually sparked another idea in my head. So like <clears throat> I have a, we'll call it a, a relatively well outfitted garage gym here. And through COVID, I was training here alone a lot of times really early in the morning. And I did start to notice like this lack of drive and this lack of, you know, for me, I'm, I'm a social worker outer. Like I love working out in, in a nice packed class with really loud music, but here I, I wasn't doing that as much. And I kind of missed it. And I started noticing that I was just like, it would take me forever to go from like part A to point part B. And like, I would just, I would just kind of be lollygagging and like, oh, I need to, I need to go to the bathroom. And then, you know, and then like, maybe I'll like read some messages on Instagram. <laughs> hey, maybe I'll post a video of myself working. And it's just like this meandering and I just wasn't getting a lot done. So it was like almost negative feedback. It's like, man, that I worked out today and it took me two and a half hours. <laughs> like, what was I doing? So a clock saved me there. I started going into the gym and I would, I literally have like an actual clock that's like, oh, it's 6 30 in the morning. I'm out of here. I'm walking out that door and into my workspace at 7 30. I have an hour to get as much done as possible. And what that did is that all of a sudden it's like Parkinson's law, right? The time, the time you give yourself to do work, work will expand to fill that time. And if you give yourself an hour, to get your workout done, you're going to, you're going to move and you're going to get a lot more done than just like walking in and like, I think I'm going to work out now. And then just this whole meandering thing. I don't know about you, John, but I don't have all day. Right. And if, and if I realize that workouts are taking me all day to do, I probably have a propensity to, to look at them as like, Oh, I can't do that. I don't have time to work out, but go into your gym and set a 30 minute clock. Like at the end of 30 minutes, I'm leaving. Now, what am I going to do for the next 30 minutes? Um, that really will help you actually like get more work done in a shorter period of time, which creates a positive feedback loop. Like, wow, I feel really successful. And oh my gosh, that only took 30 minutes. I should do that again tomorrow. And then it just, it snowballs. Well, there are a lot of things there I do that uh, make it better myself. The two main things I do, I vary how I time things. So I'll do, to your point, I'll do a running clock. And so I'll set it for 60 minutes ago. I got an hour. And I'll, I write, I also have a whiteboard that helps. I write everything on the whiteboard and I have an hour to get it done. And if it doesn't get done in an hour, it doesn't get done. I don't feel guilty about not finishing. I had 60 minutes. I'll do that workout again two months from now and see if I can get it done in an hour and see yep. if it was my laziness or, you know, bad programming or whatever. The second thing I'll do is I routinely program uh, EMOMs or every minute on the minute. And okay, I'll, right. and I'll do you know, they're usually decently long, you know, 24, 30 minute long, yep. three movements, four movements, five movements, that sort of thing. I'll even program in some rest, but it gives me a real opportunity to just kind of grind. Right. But again, it's a fixed clock. It gives you like fixed time. The other thing I do, and I think this is genius. I'm probably going to get yelled at by people for this, but don't be afraid to test workouts and change mid workout. So here's something I'll routinely do. I programmed one the other day and you're going to think this is funny. It was five rounds for time. I got three rounds in. I'm like, nope, that's a three rounder done. <laughs> and, and I marked hey, it. That's scale and bail. You yeah, bailed well, on the I, final two I rounds. But, so but you, I did, you did something. That's You can't overlook that. 
Well, but I'm not discounting it. My point is, is I track it. And so now I have a three round workout to go back and compare against yep. and decide, was it just the way I felt that day? Should it have been a five rounder or was it, you know, like right. sometimes it's just bad programming on my part and I get through. Was it the Sudafed? Like, oh, yeah. Maybe. I mean, like, you know, even after a decade, sometimes I write something for myself that I think, oh, this will take 20 minutes. And then I'm three rounds in and it's already 20 minutes. And I'm like, oh my God, this is a 50 minute workout. Like, yeah. you know, I don't want to yeah, work especially- out minutes especially when you're writing your own stuff, um, you know, there's like a delicate balance between like, you know, like shutting your lazy self up and then also listening to the logical self, you know? And I think, cause there have been times where I've, I've written something, I've programmed something and I'm like, you know, I'm going to change it in the middle. And then I catch myself. I'm like, no, you're, you're still within the time domain. You're still, you're still moving well, you can do this weight or that, or you can do this rep scheme. And I'll kind of like overcome that like self pity when I've self programmed. Um, but then on that same note, I definitely have uh, a couple times done like midway through some atrocious workout that I came up with. It's like, you know what? This is not a 25 or 26 minute EMOM. Like we're going to bump this one down to 20. Right. Something like that. Yeah. And for the record, I don't usually bail on workouts. I guess my point is, though, if you're tracking your own stuff, you're in a garage, like there's no sin in doing it. Just make sure you track it and go back and retest it at some point to yeah. see if you were right. Like you, you also have to be critical of yourself. Yeah. And then another thing is like you, especially if you are alone working out in a garage gym, it's one, are you, are you trying to train at a really high level and be competitive? Then this might not apply to you. But if you are trying to train in your garage and just stay motivated to work out every single time you get in there and do something, you need to positively reinforce that habit. Uh, Mark Manson, one of my favorite authors, talks about like the do something principle, like doing something will will inspire you. And then that inspiration will cause more action to occur. But if you just wait for inspiration or if you wait for motivation, you're, you're probably not going to do anything or you might. Uh, bail on your workouts if you're like, I'm not feeling it today. But every time you you actually stick to your plan and get in there and do something, even if you had to bail three rounds into a five rounder, still give yourself a pat on the back, find some way to, to, to say, hey, self, great job. You got in there. Sure, you might not have done it the way you wanted to, but like we got in and we got some reps done. And that's, that is a huge win. Uh, and if you do that, then you're yourself the next day is like, well, should I work out? And then you look back on your previous work. And you're like, that was a positive experience. I should go back and do that. And it just, it just helps help keep the ball, ball rolling. You don't want to beat yourself up too much if you need to modify, because that could be the start of you not wanting to work out. Well, and that's a good segue, Ben, because the, the last topic we have that someone sent in, um, I think is the hardest to keep a positive mindset, which is how do you cope with an injury? So this is going to hit everyone, particularly with the group we've been talking about tonight, which are kind of those first six months to a year. And or master's you, athletes, for sure. Yeah, master. I mean, I've, I've had two instances, arguably three, but two kind of serious ones in a decade. So they're not that often where I've had pretty serious injuries and then had to cope with it for, you know, six to eight months. Mm-hmm. So how do you keep that? How do you how would you recommend somebody keep that positive mindset and and continue to, you know, possibly train in some aspect. I, I am going to circle back around to the do something principle here where 
oftentimes when someone gets injured, they, they want to, you know, quote unquote, put it in a sling like, Oh, knees, knees hurting me. I'm not going to do anything that involves squatting or oh shoulder hurts. I'm not going to go overhead at all and wait for it to heal. And the, the analogy that I use is imagine your shoulder in this case is a door hinge. You have a rusty door hinge. It's pretty accurate is, for my shoulder, Ben. Pretty accurate, actually. <laughs> so one of the worst things you can do for a rusty door hinge is to leave it static, right? One of the best things that you can do is to move it as far as it will let you move it. I'm not forcing it to open, but I'm just, I'm moving it. And what happens is that naturally the rust breaks up and then you eventually can move it and yada, yada, yada. The analogy probably breaks down at some point. But again, the, the common misconception or mistreatment potentially of a, of a non-traumatic injury, meaning like you didn't like have a sword chop your arm off, right? Like, right. like a lot of these things, they feel really bad in the moment, but they're not actually that bad internally or mentally or physically. Um, the, a, another example analogy here is like, have you ever stepped on a Lego or have you ever stubbed your toe? The initial pain response of your body is like, this is 10 out of 10 pain. You might die, right? You might but, from stepping on a Lego. <laughs> you might. It's so Maybe. painful. But then like, are, once you like, look, you're like, oh no, I just stubbed my toe or oh no, it was just a Lego. You're like, you mentally can calm yourself down. Well, it's not as easy when like you go overhead for a snatch and it's like, right. And you're like, oh no, like your, 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 your reaction, your mental reaction is like, oh no, it's, it's hurt forever. Like I've torn everything. My arm is barely hanging on. I need to put it in a sling ice. I probably need surgery. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Calm down. Imagine thinking you need surgery after stepping on a Lego. Um, so what the physical therapy team at wad prep and, and a lot of good physical therapists will say is like, okay, let's calm down a little bit. Let's come back in a day or two and see what we can do. Or even at the, at the moment of injury, it's like, oh, okay, it really hurts when I lift my arm to this height. It's like, okay, well, let's just lift our arm to that height for a little while with no weight and just keep things moving. Um, again, back to that Lego analogy. It's like when the Lego happens, you don't wrap it in a bandage. You kind of like rub your foot, walk it off, and then everything's fine. So there, there's something to be said for when you get injured, assuming it is not like true, tra like blunt force trauma, more often than not inside of the realms of, of a CrossFit gym, it's, you know, what some might call a tweak. And with a little bit of graded movement exposure, where you're maybe doing the movement, just not quite as deep or not with the same range of motion, or maybe not with the same weight, you'll eventually be able to get back to and beyond that initial thing that caused you to get hurt. So there's a whole lot more to go in there and it's an inexact science, but that's really what I've done with myself for the last six years since I met uh, Dr. CJ on the WAD prep team. The last six years, that's what I've been doing. It's like I get a neck tweak and rather than like jam a lacrosse ball in it or like hammer it or like don't move, it's like, all right, what can I do? And then eventually that neck tweak calms down just like the right. Lego foot calms down. So. Well, you know, I just think of, you know, no offense to CJ or neck tweaks, but I, I think of like real injuries and, you know, I would advise people first see a, a doctor and see a, maybe even a couple of doctors, sure. you know, particularly those, you know, 
ask your doctor, how do you feel about CrossFit? How do you feel about, you know, comp- you know, extra, you know, fast fitnessing or, you know, how they feel about exercise. Sure. Um, and you might bring in a PT into that conversation too. Um, and get, you know, get there, let them weigh in on what you should and shouldn't do. Like I tore my bicep tendon. That was my kind of my big injury. Mm-hmm. I was bench pressing in my basement and it was a ridiculously low amount of weight, hardly anything on the bar at all. Yeah. And yeah, I press it out and I heard it pop. And that's like the worst feeling ever. When you hear something pop, you're in a bad place, right? Did it ball up? Like, did you have, did it fully detach? It, no, I was just a really, um, I, I'm gonna call it a micro tear. You know, it wasn't, it hurt like hell for eight months, but it wasn't so bad. I needed any kind of surgery or anything like that. I thought I'd tore my rotator cuff. Like I couldn't move my arm. I have arm. two torn rotator cuffs. Dude, I could not move my arm. Like I, I pressed the weight out cause I was by myself. I had clips on, so I didn't want to choke myself out with the bar. <laughs> I rack it. I can't move my arm. I'm like, all right, well, I'll do some, something light. So I'll row for a bit. Well, that was a horrible yeah. idea because, you know, you got to use your arms when you row. So that didn't work. I'm like, well, I'll go for a run. That was even worse. When it hurt when I ran, I was like, all right, I'm in a bad place. I'm just not going to do anything for a couple of days. So I took two days, still hurt like hell. I told a friend of mine, they recommended me to a world-class uh, shoulder specialist here in Cleveland. I went and saw him, Dr. Gobizi, the guy's brilliant. And he's, he did all the tests. He's like, well, you know, it's just a, you know, torn bicep tendon, you know, or, or really bad strain. He's like, but you're going to be like this for a while. I'm like, what can I do? Right. And he walked and he kind of, he gave the same advice you did. He's like, you know, you're going to lay off heavy weights for a while, but you can't quit moving it. You know? Right. And so that's what I started doing. So I started finding what I could and couldn't do. Like there were, um, I couldn't snatch, but I could do clean and jerks. I like, I could go straight up with it, but I couldn't, you know, extend my arm out to that, to that angle, you know, or it would just, that would just cause pain, just right? Horrible like pain could do it. It was just not worth the pain. Sure. Yeah. So I, you know, I just, I found things that I could do that worked for me, you know, okay. and I, I had a similar experience later in CrossFit where I hurt my knee. I tweaked my knee. And so to your point, I didn't quit squatting. I went from doing back squats to box squats. You know, yeah. so I reduced the range of motion, but I was still squatting, you know, and, yep. and for me, that's how I got through it. Like I went to a doctor, went to a PT, found the things that I could do, you know, had them put me through all the tests so I wouldn't make the injury worse. Mm-hmm. And, and then slowly started recovering back by going back to kind of what I've mentioned in these other things for new crossers is just tracking everything. Yeah. And for me, that was the, the biggest thing that got me through all of it was just saying, all right, well, here's where I am now. You have to, you almost have to forget where you were. So if you're back squatting, you know, whatever, let's say you're back squatting 300 pounds and you hurt your knee, you're not back squatting 300 anymore. Sure. Now you got to find where your new starting point is and that's what you're tracking. Yeah. And it shouldn't, Hey, and hopefully it's not zero, right? Like hopefully, um, again, there's a, there is like this narrative where some people are like, Oh, I, I can't back squat. And it's like, you can't back squat. Okay. So can you do an air squat? So, well, yeah. It's like, okay, can you squat with a, just a barbell on your back? Well, yeah. It's like, well, or why do you say you can't back squat? Oh yeah. When I loaded up to um, my one RM, it, it, I get, got this tweak thing in my knee. It's just like, all right, you can back squat. This whole narrative of like, I can't do it is like you, you can, it just can't, it doesn't look the same as it did right. before. So I, it's definitely like, 
break down the previous notion of like, I was at this level and now I'm back here and I can't get, it doesn't feel like I can get back there. So I, now I can't do it. And it's really like, no, just expose yourself to what your body is willing to accept. And then slowly, but surely it, you'll surprise yourself. And like the big example, of this is my dad. So obviously I'm 31. What the hell do I know? But my dad came to me, he's 59, came to me and was like, Hey man, I'm getting back surgery in two weeks. And I was like, why? You know, like, right. that seems like a big deal. Oh yeah. I got this, this, my low back's tweak. I went to the doctor. He did a, did an, uh, you know, scan on it and was like, yep, you need surgery. And I was like, Oh, Holy shit, dad, like calm down. Like, Cause he's a CrossFitter. Like he, right. he trains with me and does pickleball, all that stuff. I was like, I don't want my dad going to get freaking back surgery, like invasive spinal surgery. I'm like dad, calm the F down. Can I just pay for your PT. Like I will literally pay for you to work with the guy on my team. He's like, all right, maybe. And my dad is deadlifting 225 pounds right now. He's playing pickleball every day. And you know what? He didn't get surgery. So F that doctor. And this doesn't go for every doctor, but I'm just saying you have to be cautious and absolutely get multiple opinions and definitely check to see if your doctor promotes activity. Because if it's, a, there are some, and my d- friend here who we should probably have on the podcast, Dr. Nick, um, he's a physician here in, in Denver. He's like very much about this. He's like so many doctors, they just want to give you a pill or a knife and say surgery or a pill. And there are a lot of cases where the, there are things that we can do that will help us get back to even better than we were before, which in my dad's case, I was like, thank God this worked because now he doesn't have to get back surgery. Um, and it's just like, that's like, that's something that like, I'm super passionate about. And I know there, there are times where, yes, you will need surgery and surgery will help it make feel better. But there's oftentimes, unfortunately, in, in the US and Canada specifically, there's like this very quick leap to like, you need surgery. And it sounds like you didn't get bicep surgery, right? No, 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 no. That's good. And that's good. I, look, there, there are times when you have to say, all right, I can't do X for a while. I'm going yes. to have to quit doing that altogether. So, you know, I don't want anyone to come away from this going, all right, well, John and Ben said, I still got a back squat, even though my knees are hurt. It's not what we're but saying. But it's not it. through gritted teeth, right? It's like, we shouldn't be like, I got a back squat and then like push through it with extreme pain. It's always like, what does the pain tell you? Yeah, I would just tell you, yeah, you've got to figure out a, you know, what can I do with that movement, if anything? And if you can't, this is where I get back to, tracking stuff like what can you what can you improve at then like maybe you know let's say you can't squat anymore maybe you need to get really good at push-ups sure right or you know or i don't know pick something else like whatever else it may be but there are certainly other other goals you can start setting so i you know it probably goes back to our very original topic on this podcast maybe it's a great place to wrap it up which is just be a goal setter like if you're injured somewhere if you want to get through the injury start setting new goals for yourself and recognize, you know, give positive mindset and, and thought to what progress am I making now from where I am, not where I used to be, because we can Definitely. all look back and, you know, at points of our life where, you know, I used to run a six minute mile. I couldn't do that now if you were chasing me with a gun, like, you know, but I'm not I'm chasing ashamed. you with my bow. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, but I'm not ashamed of my current yeah. mile, you know, it's just, this where yeah. I am now. Sure. Absolutely. Other things. I'm just not great at running. It's, it's identifying what it like from the place that you are currently at, what is the next domino or what is the next goal you need to knock over? And in the case of an injury, you might go from, I can back squat 300 to 
it hurts to do a full air squat. It's like, okay, well now your goal is to do a full air squat without pain. And it's going to start with half squats. It's going to start with some maybe isolated knee flexion exercises. So it's like, I mean, we hope that it doesn't take you all the way back there, but there's always something like, I mean, case in point is like, John, can you snatch now? Like, do you do any snatches? Oh yeah. 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 Okay. I've, I, since then I've snatched, I think one eighties my PR. So it's all, oh, it's fully geez. recovered now. Freaking yeah. Superman over here. I'm not snatching one eighty these days. I, but I, I hit one seventy yeah. about a month ago. So outstanding. I mean, it just, the, the, the human body is an incredible, incredible machine that does a really good job of repairing itself. Um, and it, a lot of it starts up here with your mental attitude going into it. So identifying those goals, um, and then slowly, but surely, Re finding a way to rehab it with movement. Movement will heal a lot of things. Um, so yeah, love it. All right. Good talk tonight. This was good. We covered a yeah. lot of topics. Oof, I get passionate when I talk about my dad's back surgery. I almost got, mm. <laughs> we'll find another episode. We'll bring some of these doctors on and we'll let them battle it out. And we'll just sit here and listen to them fight. We'll just have them duke it out. I love it. All right. Well, this has been fun as always. Uh, I know we have another one of these at some point this week, so I'll talk to you. And uh, for everyone else listening, we appreciate you guys joining us for, uh, I guess this is going to be episode four, right? Yeah. Keep sending me DMs with topics. Um, I'm going to do a better job of tracking those DMs and putting them in another place because I've honestly forgotten some of them, but keep sending us suggestions. We love to hear from people and CrossFit gym owners. I, there's been several CrossFit gym owners who have been sharing this with their members. Thank you for spreading the word. Yes. Um, we, we love you. Yep, we do. And uh, yeah, keep DM them straight to the Instagram page. That's where I'm tracking them. It's really easy to find there. So we definitely appreciate the feedback. And uh, for everyone listening, thanks for joining. And we will chat with you guys next week. Peace.